0: Hello, oh, hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dynasty Wonderland podcast with me, the Matt Chatter, Ryan MK, and as always by my side, my buddy, you can find him on Twitter at aaronstu09, the salary captain, the march heron, Aaron Stewart, what's up, buddy? Oh, not
1: much, man. As I always say, Mondays are great days for me because, yeah, everyone dreads Mondays, but Monday nights is when I get to get on Zoom, get to get you on Zoom, and we just get to talk fantasy football. It's living the dream,
0: man. That's right. That's right. And we were supposed to have a very special guest tonight. We were. And a little sickness caught the guy. And uh, I normally, I wouldn't even care to make it a big deal, but we we had it out there on Twitter. So so if anybody's tuning in, expecting anything, just know. We will try and get Mr. Anand Nadur in a future episode, but, but I have it on good advice that we may get an interview, a quick, small interview with him that we'll throw in. At the end of the pod, one of those uh, one-on-one with the salary captain specials, if you know what I mean, Uh, like we did with, you know, the Casanova, the fantasy Casanova, Santiago. I love that guy. Love that guy. So shout out to him. And uh, so, yes, we're hoping to get that to throw on at the end of the episode. Right, Mr. Aaron? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I have sources. Sources have confirmed. Sources have confirmed. Contract
1: details were discussed and exchanged. And I'll be able to, you know, I may be wearing something different, you know. Uh, the that's gonna be future Aaron. <laughs> future Aaron's gonna be able to go and get an interview, and then it's gonna, you know, maybe right in the middle of this podcast, like I'll, I'll, I'll change what I'm wearing, and then I go back to just my my casual. Got my my jacket, my hat, long beard. Yeah, Texas heat doesn't <laughs> won't change that
0: for me. <laughs> it's funny. I actually thought something like that of and and full disclosure aaron and i were discussing earlier because we're going to start uh we're going to have a little bit of a schedule change and we're also thinking about doing a little bit of a a big pod for like a um um you know a season preview so uh, we were thinking about something like that and having you know multiple guests on for segments at a time back to back and we'd probably end up recording them at different times so I was just imagining different videos and and and, and us in different outfits and whatnot and and uh so I was kind of thinking along those lines but anyway yes now that I've actually brought it up just so everyone knows once the season begins you're gonna get not one but two pods a week. That's right. Now, to be to be honest, we're we're gonna cut down the time on them. So when it comes down to it, you, you know, you get you get one of those, you know, two and a half hour dynasty Wonderland pods. And this is gonna be more split up into two. So that is the plan. We're gonna try and plan something really cool to preview the season, but that's what we got coming up. So no one on, but we got some news to talk about and a couple of drafts we're in we're going to talk about chop chop if that gives you a hint and uh so Aaron before we just get into the news do you have anything to add I feel like I just rambled on there for a minute and took took over so uh, anything from you my friend man it
1: is officially draft season so many slow drafts going on and it's it, it came up so fast like this upcoming weekend I've got my first live draft and it's like wow it's can't believe it but I mean, it's it's felt weird this year because, honestly, I've been drafting underdog. I've been doing these slow mm-hmm. drafts. been doing mock drafts and Scott Fishbowl. So, heck, I've been drafting since June, which I feel really prepares me for these home leagues. Hey, for any of my home league mates that are listening right now, you're in trouble. Like, I, I've been drafted nonstop mm-hmm. every day. You know, putting money where my mouth is on that. That's right. Guess what? And and drafting against some really smart dudes. So those teams I absolutely hate. But I know when it comes to those home leagues, you better bring it because I'm I'm bringing my A game. I already know, like, ADPs. I already know stacking. I know it all. So
0: bring it. (laughs) Bring it, he says. And I believe it. I don't really have home leagues per se. We used to do a friends and family league. We didn't do it last year. That was the first year. We actually, I I made a trophy for the longest time. I I had these little gray foam cutouts that I used. And so everybody that won would get to put their name on a quote-unquote plaque and put it right on the trophy. It was great. I was kind of trying to take a little bit of a, um, you know, What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. I'm high, but inspiration. There we go. From the Stanley Cup, from Lord Stanley's Cup. So uh, that was the idea behind the little plaque thingies. But yeah, we didn't do it last year. Didn't do it last year. Um, too much shit's going on. So we might get that going this year, but my drafting is kind of starting to wind down, which is nice. have got the couple of guillotine drafts we might talk about later. And then other than that, um, I'm, I'm in one more best ball a slow draft and I really that's all I got going on so mine's fine I was much busier drafting earlier it felt like but now things are kind of my drafting it feels like is starting to starting to wind down but and that's probably crazy to some people who are like you draft all summer like we're almost to the season this is when you should be drafting but I'm like "I I don't do that much redraft stuff you know it's it's mostly dynasty and then I do a lot of best ball and uh yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty, and then the guillotine leagues.
1: Right, right. And, and the thing is, if you're in this industry like Brian and I are, you know, it's like drafting in, in August, that's your casual leagues, and especially if you're drafting in September. Then no, no, the, the real people, the, the people are, that are in this where you get to have an advantage, you're drafting back in June, July you know i've even had i've even heard of people doing rookie drafts before they actually go in the nfl and you know i'm not opposed to that <laughs> don't think i can get my home dynasty leagues on board with that i think right. they know they would be in a lot of trouble going against me because i i know the guys to target and avoid
0: <laughs> right yeah it definitely i i could see how that could be an advantage for some of us but uh But then again, you know, the NFL draft, it it can make a different landing spot can, you know, mean something. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's very interesting. um, Yeah. Conversation. So we move on to the news, Aaron. And we got a bunch of different things going on, some little, 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 little tidbits and some other things. We got some big news. So let's go ahead and begin with the big, well, probably the biggest news, uh, at least thus far, the the Josh Allen contract. And I'm sure you'll end up talking a little of this with Anon, but why don't you go ahead, give us your breakdown salary capiteons. Oh, this is going to be fun.
1: So on top of talking about it here, I'm going to talk with, the, with Anand in the interview that's going to be later in this podcast. I also am working on the Josh Allen Transaction Implication uh, article as well. That's probably going to be my next one. I actually just had one go live in that series for Aaron Rodgers Restructure. And I had to have some fun with the naming of this because I called it Transaction Implication Josh Allen. A quarter of a billion QB. <laughs> had to have my funds in there, but he it was a massive contract. So six-year extension uh, worth just over $250 million. I want to say it came out to $258 million. There was an interesting little thing in there because I was going through the details and it's not as complicated as patrick mahomes but there's a lot of details to it at first things first is that he has now set the nfl record for the most guaranteed money at signing so in particular for these players that is the most important number right is players just want to get their guaranteed money when they sign their contract and he got a hundred million dollars when he signed and that is a ton of money yeah but surprisingly like it probably should have been higher because it percentage wise that came out just under 40% of his contract guaranteed at signing. And yes, a hundred millions, a ton of money, just barely beat Dak Prescott who was around the 95, 96 million, but Dak Prescott's was a four-year contract. And, and I looked at the six largest contracts signed by quarterbacks, like besides Josh Allen and and like also omitting Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes was ridiculously like only 14% was guaranteed at signing, but the other mm. six guys, they averaged about 55% of their contracts guaranteed at signing. So even though he got a hundred million, like it was so below like the, the market, like of what elite quarterbacks usually get guaranteed at signing. And that kind of stri- struck me as odd. And I noticed there there is a guarantee there's there's a there's an option bonus for 2022. basically the way an option bonus works is the team gets a decision hey, do you want to pick up Josh Allen's contract for 2022? if yes, you have to pay this this bonus which is worth a absurd 42.4 million dollars. And the other strange thing about that is, well it's 2021. Next year's 2022. And they have to pick up that money. Like they have to. It's if they don't, it would cost them 77 million dollars on their salary cap. Like they're obviously gonna pick it up, not just because it's Josh Allen, but financially, it just completely crumbles their 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 entire team's salary cap. But you know, my, I was. I was thinking, I was like, well, that's really weird to have this massive $42 million option bonus and it spreads out over five years. So roughly $8 million that he gets from 2022 to 2026. Um, but I was like, why not just make that part of his signing bonus? Like, Why, why like delayed a year on a guaranteed $42 million? It turns out it, it actually has something to do with the Buffalo bill salary cap, at least the way that I look at it mm-hmm. in 2022, the bills don't have a lot of salary cap space. They could have absolutely taken that $42 million, made it part of the signing bonus, spread that 8 million out over the first five years of the contract, but the bills would have $0 in 2022 on their, in, in terms of cap space. So this option bonus actually helps a little bit because Buffalo is clearly trying to compete. They, they made the playoffs the past two seasons. They went 13 and three and made it all the way to the AFC championship game. They've got their quarterback. And I mean, as I mentioned, they went to the conference championship game. They want to win. So this option bonus, it it allows them to still have salary cap space to go, Hey, we need, I don't know, a a cornerback. They could, at least afford an eight million dollar cornerback without doing anything like restructuring or anything like that. So, I thought that was that was quite interesting. Is that really the hundred million dollars that that Josh Allen got guaranteed at signing? It could have easily been close to one hundred and fifty million dollars. Right, so it, it's massive. Which is why, like, I I started to run some numbers. Lamar Jackson's contract when he gets he's gonna be the next the next big extension. I mean, maybe right. Baker Mayfield, but he's Mayfield's not gonna be like in the Josh Allen Lamar Jackson. He's just he's not. And Spo track actually has a calculated mark market value for players. And if you go to Lamar Jackson, interesting thing is they they calculate his average salary to be forty-four and a half million dollars. So I did, I did some math. I ran some numbers, and, and it it blew my mind. It, let's say Lamar Jackson gets a six-year extension, just like Josh Allen. If his average salary is $44.5 million, it comes out to $267 million. It's a massive contract. I mean, it's it's slightly more than Josh Allen, and this isn't really a conversation about who's better, Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson it really doesn't matter. Quarterbacks, each time a quarterback signs a massive contract and it's this record-breaking deal, the next big quarterback to sign a contract is going to have the record-breaking deal. We saw it with uh, Watson and Prescott. Deshaun Watson signed a, a contract, that paid him $39 million uh, per season. And then he couldn't keep his hands to himself. But six months later, Dak Prescott signs a contract that pays him forty million dollars per season. It's <sighs> quarterback contracts are just crazy. Which yeah, we they, talked they fucking about. are. Right, right. And you may you may remember we talked about it what a couple of weeks ago. I think with the twenty eighteen quarterback class, we're like, hey, there's three big guys uh, that got to get contracts, and whoever gets the contract signed first, that team's going to be the winner.
0: <laughs> right,
1: because because not only is Buffalo locked up their guy, they've also made it more expensive for Baltimore to keep Lamar Jackson just naturally, Mm. because now Lamar Jackson's going to look at like, so Josh Allen, his agent looked at what Patrick Mahomes did with his contract to get this contract set up. And now Lamar Jackson's going to look at Josh Allen's contract and go, how are we going to get this set up? But back to like my projected contract for Lamar Jackson, 6 years 267 million dollars if he gets 55% of that guaranteed which that's what we've been seeing on average and in fact like Deshaun Watson only got 47% he brought that average down but we'll say 55% that's what like the top six guys were getting besides Josh Allen and I'm going to come back to that in just one minute but Lamar Jackson's contract, like if he got fifty five percent of it fifty five percent of the two hundred sixty seven million, it comes out to about one hundred forty seven million. Like it's it's borderline one hundred fifty million. Like right. And and I fully believe Lamar Jackson's going to get one hundred fifty million guaranteed at signing. And another thing that kind of supports that, like it's, I'm taking the listeners through my article basically, but this last point is what like I, I connected the dots. I was like, Holy shit. It's going to happen is that option bonus, right? That 42 million option bonus. Mm. Like the question was, why didn't they make it a signing bonus? Turns out it was salary cap stuff, they, they couldn't, right. but he was going to get that guarantee money. Let's just say the bills actually had salary cap space in 2022 and they could make it a signing bonus. So, Forty-two million. Throw it on the hundred million that that was guaranteed at signing. So, right. because essentially one hundred and forty-two is guaranteed at signing. I kid you not. That comes out to be fifty-five percent of the two hundred fifty-eight million-dollar contract for Josh Allen. So even Josh Allen basically got fifty-five percent guaranteed at, right. at, at signing his contract. It's, it's just, just set a, up differently.
0: It's just yeah. set up weird.
1: So I put a poll, I put a poll on Twitter. I said, guys, we've seen the Josh Allen extension. Lamar Jackson's going to be next. I'm going to throw a number out there. 150 million guaranteed at signing. What do you guys think? And I put, Over, under, or you're spot on. I think 20% were with me on like 150 million and 43% said under. And I'm here to tell people like, you're just, you're wrong. If you, if you think it's going to be under 150 million, you're just, you're not following this quarterback market. It's going to be massive. If, if it's a six-year contract. Now, obviously if shorter length, not going to hit the 150 million, but it's going to be crazy.
0: (laughs) So I got a few things before we move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, Um, A couple of things from my perspective. And then I have a question for you at the end. So the small details. I love this shit. <laughs> this little option bonus. Oh, yeah. Learning about all these little things is pretty crazy. And like, I don't care nearly uh, as much about the contracts that, and all of that as you do. <laughs> But I'm starting to a little bit, at least, you know, like, cause I do all learning all these different things just by listening to you. It is really cool to understand that stuff more. So, um, you know, it's definitely, I love that you are so plugged into that. Cause they did would have been something I never, I never thought I would, I would have found so a damn interesting, I guess is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. But yeah, the little small things like that fucking option bonus. So <clears throat> Because like you said, that means exactly he's going to get the the guaranteed money that he should. It's just mm-hmm. broken up a little bit. And, you know, it's just done a little differently because of the salary cap. So it's just crazy, crazy. And then my brother, who, as I've mentioned before, lives in Buffalo, diehard Bills fan. So he's all over Josh Allen. Very aware before last year not much into Josh Allen myself. So he, he's like, okay, what do you think about my boy's contract? And I'm like, well, I, like, I, you should listen to our podcast and see what my co-host thinks of this, album, <laughs> of the contract. But Great. all I would say, the only thing that made me think anything really of it, because I imagine all the dudes are going to get paid, mm-hmm. is I was surprised Josh Allen was first. That that was really the only thing I had. I I was kind of surprised with that. But you're right. It's great for the team. Because, like, my brother was like, hey, as a fan, I'm glad we got it done first. It's over with. It's in the books. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm just saying, personally, I'm surprised uh, for him. Because that's where it comes. To, like, it's great for the team. Maybe not as great for the quarterback. Uh, if, if you could have gotten more. And um, so... So, yeah, it, it, I was surprised that Allen went first. But good right. for the Bills. And, um, you know, we'll see how spot-on you are with this Lamar thing. But then that yeah. leads me to the one I question. on that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> then I would ask you, before we move on, what about Baker then? Because you would think that would say, okay, well, if Lamar signs before him, then does he get a bigger one? Than it? But a lot of people – and the Browns could probably use it against him and say, hey, you're not as accomplished as Lamar or Josh Allen. So what do you think Baker's contract might look like? Or do you think that's going to be dependent on what Lamar does? You know, it's
1: one – we when we were kind of predicting who we thought was going to sign first, I mean, we were sitting there, we are like, okay, it's going to be Allen or Jackson, and we know that Mayfield is going to be last – not. Not anything that the Browns are doing. The Browns have shown they have been super aggressive of locking up their guys. Like they just recently right. gave Nick Chubb a contract. Like they're not, I, I don't think they're opposed to, to getting a deal done with Mayfield, but I, I think Mayfield Mayfield's agent knows that like you talked about, like what these other guys sign some of their big contracts. It's. I, any quarterback contract does affect the other guys. It's, Allen's contract right. directly affects Lamar Jackson because they, they were competing. I mean, Josh Allen's getting roughly 43 million um, mm-hmm. salary, average salary per year. And then when that, when that contract came out, like Spotrac put out like the calculated um, market value was affected by that. And Lamar Jackson's going to be 44 and a half. Like Allen signing, like cost the Ravens a couple million dollars per year. Now, on the market value for Baker Mayfield, they have him signing for probably around thirty-five million per year. I, I'd agree with that. That's it's tough. Like that forty million dollars per year is tough. Like we've we've only seen four guys: Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, well, sorry, ten technically three. Well, uh, Is it three or is it four? And then Jackson will make it five. Like there's not much. That's the main point. There's not many QBs that top the 40 million, even Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson's 39 million, not quite in the 40 million. That's why I'm like Baker's not going to get 40 million, but 35 million. I could see that. And it looks, so what they do is they take some comparable players, especially guys that have signed recent contracts. They have, like Jared Goff's contract, you know, is 33 and a half million. You know, which guy are you taking? You're obviously taking Baker. And, and so he's going to get at least 33 and a half million. I think the 35 million spot on, maybe a couple million more. It depends on how much they really like Baker. But they may tell Baker, like, look, we brought Chubb back. I can't, I can't remember if they, there's another guy there they they're working on maybe denzel ward he would be i think that in might that be same right. class yeah I, I i don't remember if he officially signed or not but right. they, they also gave miles garrett a big extension too and what they may come back with is look we've spent all this money on very important pieces of this team I do believe the Browns can compete for a Super Bowl. Like they, people need to talk more about them. They did a lot of good things this offseason. And they may may tell Baker, hey, we can win this with you. We absolutely can, but we can't, we can't give you, certainly can't give them a home's contract, obviously. But even, even this Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, no. And, clearly the reason those two guys are going to get over 40 million Lamar Jackson's one MVP in the league and Josh Allen was what runner up last year Rogers won. And I want to say Josh Allen was runner up. Like those guys have had phenomenal seasons on the resume. Baker Mayfield's been, been really good. And, and I think we all agree better like NFL quarterback, like not, not the guy that's going to put up the stats, but a guy that you look at the advanced stats, like he plays well as a quarterback, but they may say, mm-hmm. look, we've got this strong team. We've got all these weapons. They're probably the team that's best positioned to go, look, if you don't want to, if you're too expensive for us, they may go in a different direction. It's right. A small chance. And teams just don't let franchise quarterbacks go. But Spotrak, I think, spot on. The puns, they continue. (laughs) Spoo spooked on so 35 million. Sounds about right. Like it looks like the high end. They they do take Dak Prescott's contract into account. Um, What could they possibly do on this one? They, I think, my guess is contract extension for Mayfield's going to be closer to the length of a Carson Wentz, a Dak Prescott, because these Brown contract extensions have been short. Nick Chubb was a three-year extension. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say kind of what my, I don't like giving gut takes, but admittedly, (laughs) I haven't done a whole lot into Mayfield yet because Man, oh, I put you on the spot. That, <laughs> you put me on the spot and I like it. But like the guys that they're comparing them to, they've been signing four year extensions. So that's the way I could see it. it I That feels about right. Like I, I like Baker,
0: but. Not, oh, no, I, I agree. And I really like Baker. As a matter of yeah. fact, you know what I was going to say? And this goes out to my boy EDG as well. One of the things that I was going to bring up last week during our discussion, Brady versus Baker was, I don't know if you heard the pod father recently on Roto Underworld radio discuss his own belief in Baker Mayfield. So it's not just me. I just wanted to point out that loves them some Baker Mayfield. So I just wanted to point that out. Sorry. But yeah, we'll have to see. And like I said, it, I I wouldn't expect him to get as much as either of those guys, but it, uh, it will be interesting to see, but I think we probably, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) And I, and I think it, it, and I think it'll end up being a little bit of a bargain because I think, uh, I I think he's going to play a lot better this year. I really do. I really do my friend. So I talked plenty about contracts and salary cap. Yeah, capitals. yeah. Sorry,
1: I'd like to only ruin my my article is just right here, right here. <laughs> like I got super excited about like connecting the dots. It's I I think that prediction. My I, I initially put it as a bold prediction, and then when I started putting the numbers, I was like, it's really not that bold when you start doing the math on it. Right. It just sounds bold, like Lamar Jackson's going to get 150 million guaranteed at signing when Josh Allen got 100 million. But yeah, it's. Those option bonus—that's that's what you gotta look for in these contracts. And if you want to have your mind blown, pull up Patrick Mahomes on Spotrac. I, the details on that contract is just—it's it, like an encyclopedia. It just keeps going. It's
0: yeah. super. I can imagine. I can
1: can <laughs> imagine. But also, okay. this is this is a team friendly deal. Last point I want to make is like this deal, I believe, like we talk about like a competing window. The bills still have a solid like three year window where, like, they can compete and still afford pieces and stuff. Like, it's it's, I think in my opinion, team friendly.
0: Excelente, day. excelente. Day. As my brother would be happy to hear. Okay, <laughs> so we'll go ahead and head on into the news section. We're gonna run through the news
2: and then talk a
0: little guillotine maybe and call it a day. I like it. or a night, we should say. Um, so I'll begin with, hey, we actually had some football. Wasn't in, on the show sheet, but I figured, hey, we don't even really have to talk about it because didn't shit happen. <laughs> but there was a, a preseason game, the Hall of Fame game, and uh, we had the Hall of Fame ceremony. Peyton Manning did his thing. Uh, and, you know, Edron James who else was... Who else? Who else am I forgetting?
1: Oh, Something man. I, really I like... I when, f- Troy Polamalu.
0: Right?
1: Horses safety. Uh, man, I I know. That makes me <laughs> such a horrible football fan. I, I don't really pay much attention to
0: <laughs> <all> do <did>, Honestly, <laughs> I usually don't, I get, to be honest, care all that much. I mean, it's... When Jonu goes in... <laughs> Of course, of course. Uh, so, yeah. And again, not much happened in the game. I mean, I, you know, not was many of the
1: starters. Chase Claypool news blurbs come up. Oh, on my phone yeah, that's I, right. I that's the right. Game and that I'm light, like, yep. I, yeah, I have him in the Dynasty League. I was not happy <laughs> about that because why is he playing in the Hall of Fame game? But uh, seems to be okay. I think he yeah. he came back in. Did he? Oh, I, I was oh. asking because oh, I no, didn't no, get no. to watch the game and I couldn't find a stream to watch later on. That's sad. I, had, I was looking for a stream to watch a preseason game.
0: <laughs> I had intended on watching. In large part because I had taken um, – Dude, my brain is totally blank. I'm have I've I seriously had so many brain farts tonight. What the hell is the rookie's name? Who am I thinking of? Pittsburgh's running back. Oh, Najee Harris. Oh, good God, Aaron! I am I losing gotcha. my goddamn mind today. I <laughs> and we're going to go my, into my, his contract. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. So good God. Anyway. Um, I had intended on actually watching the game to see how much of him they they, they used it like and to see what he did uh, specifically because I grabbed him in the guillotine league. and then I forgot, and then by the time I turned it there, it was uh, pretty late in the second quarter, and then I was like, "eh, that's usually where I curious. give up on preseason games." It's about halftime, um, but but so yeah, so that happened. Had the ceremony good stuff. This year we only have 3 more preseason games instead of 4, correct? Oh, so. Correct.
1: Yeah, it's weird.
0: We <laughs> Yeah, so we're we're uh, one step closer to the damn season. And that brings on even more and more news and and uh, you know, some of it some rumors. You get some stuff from the rumor mill such as you, you know, Miles Sanders this split in time with Boston, Scott You got that. And then Burrow struggling. I get this is more than rumors. People are actually talking about this stuff, but you know what I mean? Sanders, Scott, and then Burrow. What are you thinking, Aaron?
1: I'll say full transparency. I have a breakout finder article that calls Miles Sanders like, the fantasy football breakout running back, like a guy that wasn't going like first three rounds that can make it into the top 12. Cause I, I do believe like, and part of what, what I mentioned is like on top of statistically and like advanced stats and analytics, being a talented running back and having all of like the things you look for opportunity, productivity and efficiency. And, and part of what I mentioned was, yeah, there's no one in that backfield. Like, yes, they brought in Kenny Gainwell, a fifth-round pick. Like Gainwell, we all like Gainwell, but clearly the NFL, not as much as like us Dynasty folks. And, and I even mentioned, I mentioned Boston Scott. I'm like, fine, he's a jag. Like, you just, you have to have those guys, right? You have to have right. those guys. And And if they're playing the Giants, Boston Scott's great. <laughs> they play anybody else, he doesn't do anything. But I feel like it, in in reading the report, because it, it comes from a pretty trusted Eagles reporter, you do have to be concerned. Uh, right now, I'll put mildly concerning, because I'm really only going to be very concerned with players when it comes to injuries. But... I still believe in the talent of Miles Sanders. I still believe he should be getting that massive workload that he's gotten basically since he entered the league as a rookie. And maybe these these injury concerns in two years, maybe that's changed what the Eagles think. Maybe they go, mm-hmm. this guy can't hold up for a 16-game season. He's not going to hold up for a 17-game season. So right. I hate saying it, but you have to be concerned. I it mean, it's not – even so much boston scott he's boston scott just a guy but the eagles clearly want to u- utilize other running backs there that's gonna affect his ceiling and i hate that i wrote an article and i hate saying these the words i've said right but i'm just mildly concerned how about you what, what do you think about miles Sanders?
0: yeah i was gonna say before burrow um I guess I do I look at the Boston Scott thing and I think you brought up a very good point. Um, I don't know, several podcasts ago, pertaining to the idea that most teams are going to use a second running back a little more heavily than they used to just the 17 game season. So not only is there an extra game, that's a longer period of time. You want to keep that top running back a little more healthier. So maybe you get that second running back working a little bit more during the first part of the season, the first half of season. So I, I, we could see something like that. So this mm-hmm. isn't as concerning. I'm just beginning to get concerned about the Eagles as a whole, based on some of the things I've heard on, wrote underworld right i mean my biggest thing is it feels to me like some of the shit i've heard and read that they don't like Jalen hurts it feels like that a little bit now maybe i'm reading too much into it but it, it just like it's weird some of the comments that people have made it's it's i don't know so i i do wonder like what the Eagles are really gonna be like. And if they're really, really somehow in play for Deshaun Watson, there's a very good chance Jalen Hurts is involved in that deal. Oh. And and I would say they have to know they're not there's a possibility they don't get Deshaun Watson for a while if he gets suspended. And so it's like it's just like this could you know, depending on how things go, this could be a very crazy offense. Now maybe overthinking things and it's, you know, Hertz gets to just prove himself and he fucking will. So, you know, it's just, there's little trickles that just have me a little bit concerned as the, about the Eagles kind of overall, you know what I mean? And, uh, So, but as far as just the Miles Sanders thing, and I would say the injury concern can be very real. I mean, people say there's no injury prone. Yeah, but there is, you you know, proof that there's some guys that just can't stay healthy for some reason. And maybe maybe there's no way to kind of predict that, but that does seem to be the case with some guys. They just, they just can't stay out there. So um, we just got to hope. Sanders isn't one of them because, yeah, the talent's there. So, um, right. But I guess that means make sure you get some Boston Scott at the end of your your, your benches because he may be useful more than useful this year. And probably, <laughs> like one you other said, Danwell, you is, you yeah, know, has got to be the better talent. He's got to work his yeah. way up to that second spot eventually. So that's really, right. you're right. That's the guy to have. Uh, but go ahead. And what do you think about reports, Burrow struggling in camp?
1: Uh, I will say that a lot of the struggles people for I I don't want to say people forget, but I think we've we've hyped up the Bengals because the potential for this phenomenal passing offense is there. Like, Burrow, Burrow's a talented passer. Mm -hmm. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. But we do have to remember that it was midseason when Joe Burrow tore his ACL. We also, we saw some videos of Cortland Sutton who tore his ACL in week two, where like, there was there was some hesitancy in getting in, in cutting and, and a lot of times when it comes to ACL injuries, these professional athletes, it's not anything physical. It's never anything physical. It's and I can I can only speculate. I have not torn my ACL, but a right. lot of times when athletes talk about it, it's a mental aspect. You it's, hear that
0: that's meant, that yeah, mental shit yeah
1: exactly it's oh no it what happens when i get hit again it's like you know yeah. the ligament get tear it's very much a mental block and joe burrow was 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 talking about it with some of the reporters there uh and i actually I <laughs> one of the few reasons i i have the athletic subscription there so like i can kind of keep up with some of the beat reporters and and, and joe burrow was was saying how most of his stuff is just you know what it's I'm just trying to he didn't even blame it on his poor performances on his knee, but but did kind of acknowledge like there is kind of some mental aspect to it because, you know, shoot, it's you get in a rhythm in, in a season and then shoot, when, when was it he was able to actually start practicing? So you have to kind of relearn some things, but, you know, in oh, the sure. back of your mind, yeah, back of your mind, you, you are thinking about that. So it's not that Burrow is a bad player. This is just, it's something that any player that tears an ACL, you you usually don't want them that season after he's coming back, because they're kind of getting things that may be about mid-season, depending on when they tore their ACL, that they start kind of getting in a rhythm. I, I Usually my rule of thumb when it comes to fantasy football, redrafts is I'm not touching any players that tore ACL. Next season, yeah. I'll, I'll, they'll be fine. They'll be perfect, but you know, Adrian Peterson's like the one exception of that, right. like that one freakish performance, but. It takes a year. Yeah. Like the struggles, it, it comes with this recovery from torn He. He's physically recovered. It's now, it's mental. What about you? What do you, what do you have to say about Joe Burrow?
0: Um, I, I I can't disagree with anything you said. I mean, of course he's struggling. It's his second year. He's coming off the ACL injury. You know, of course, he's struggling a bit. That doesn't surprise me at all. Am I worried about him? I wouldn't have had him in redraft specifically because of the ACL thing. <laughs> so you know, get that. But in Dynasty, no, I'm on board. He'll be looking. He'll be looking fine. If not mid seat by mid season, by the Burrow will be fine. And so Dynasty, yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about him at all. But it doesn't surprise me that he's struggling right now i mean so no uh speaking of injury (laughs) kenny galladay this is bad man (laughs) here's a guy i've hyped up uh kenny galladay hamstring strain and you know what they say about those goddamn hammies getting strained um so this uh this to me is a quite worrisome. What say you, Mr. Aaron? Same um,
1: players are dealing with strains, sprains. <laughs> it's, well, it's more specifically the strains. Um, so for for people that may not know, there is a difference between strains and sprains. Strains is your muscle tendons. Those concern me <laughs> more than sprains. I mean, sprains are unfortunate too. I mean, that's that's right. your ligaments. But anything that's muscular. Ooh. <laughs> So, I see that, and uh, I probably not touching Kenny Galladay. Probably not. I'm curious how far his ADP is going to drop in underdog. It's it's dropped quite a bit. It's yep. dropped a
0: lot. But it sucks yeah. because he was uh, he was pretty down there early on in the summer, and yeah. then I think they got a little hype around him, so he crept up. And yeah, now he's going back down. Cause at least that that's how it felt to me. Cause it I felt like I had a lot of him early on in the summer when I was drafting best ball. Um, just because he seemed to be there in just a perfect spot for me. Um yeah. So yeah, this this is really, really kind of a bummer. I was hyping him up. I still believed in the player and uh it is just a bad injury coming off a year where he was banged up. Like this is just it's you know, especially heading in onto a new team, you know, all of that, you know, it's not impossible for receivers to get Stefan Diggs last year is a prime example of that going to a new team and being fucking awesome right away. Yeah. But when you're coming off injuries and you pick up a new one in the midst of trying to, you know, establish yourself on your new team. This is just uh, unfortunate shit, and I love me some Kenny G, so I, I'm bummed. But uh, <sighs> and,
1: and also, like, there's it's not just Galladay. I mean, this this one pains me. DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift's been dealing with a groin I oh, no. an injury oh, yeah. and missing a lot of time. And to tie it into a running back we talked about earlier. Miles Sanders last offseason. Miles Sanders was getting a lot of hype. You know, Swift is not nearly on the hype that Sanders was getting last year. But still, like, Sanders was dealing with injuries and, like, oh, no, he missed, like, week one. And the goods. a wise saying in fantasy football is don't chase the injuries. The injuries are going to find you. They are. Especially right. now in a 17-game season. Don't be your it's you're basically handicapping yourself already by drafting a player because you're you won't be able to utilize them. That sucks. But then they're just taking up a spot on your bench too. And uh, I'm monitoring the groin with Swift, but the longer he misses time, the more I'm not gonna have him in redraft. And then this one really hurts. There was a rookie tight end, you know, where I'm going with this
0: Mm.
1: A rookie tight end down in Miami Hunter long (laughs) Mm. possible torn ACL not confirmed, but some, some of the, some of the doctors on Twitter, like uh, actual doctors, um, there are there are tests that you do, uh, and I don't remember these tests from my days in school. But I, I actually got to uh, for for people that don't know, my background is in pre PT. Uh, I went to Texas State. Texas State has a phenomenal athletic training program, and part of the undergrad undergrad program is you basically getting trained as an athletic trainer. And there is a whole list of tests that you do to to confirm and rule out certain injuries and there's there's at least six or seven for acl and one of uh one of the doctors it might have been which guy was it i want to say edwin um but don't call me on that. one of the pts on, on twitter said that right. looked like the lackman's test which is a t- and it's just from a pitcher so you can't even you're basically just going off position there and kind of where the hands of the athletic trainer is, but mm. Lachman test is a test athletic trainers do for torn ACL, and mm. he was described as being dejected, couldn't put any pressure on the leg, and you're like, that's oh. that sucks. So not good, not good. Like it's it's looking, it, and he'll be lucky if he missed the torn ACL, but
2: yeah.
0: And I and to pile on, sorry to pile on, but I just read that Aaron Jones was also not at practice today oh. due to a hamstring injury. Hey, uh.
1: <laughs> sorry. Oh but. no, I got Aaron Jones in one of the guillotine legs. Oh no. <laughs> Chewy, no.
0: <sighs>
1: so, but this is the lessons to take from this for people listening to the show it is important to keep up with these injuries and especially the strains and even the sprains, but strains I, I find it particular like when you're dealing with muscles, no, there's no way right. no, bueno. they draft responsibly. <laughs> don't. Definitely don't reach for those guys. Like you're going to just kill your team before the season even started. 100%.
0: Okay, so we got some drama, some NFL drama talk. We're going to get into a couple of things. You got the Packers Rodgers situation, that's been worked out. A Rod's back, and it sounds like he has the option to request a trade for next year. And that's what we figured. They're going to give it one last two raw and then part ways. And uh then you've got the Texans and Watson. I don't know what the hell is going on there all of a sudden now the Texans think Watson'll play for. Like this this is some fucking weird shit that's going on with the Texans and Watson. And then one last thing and I'll let you unload on it Aaron. There was also this Saints Michael Thomas drama. That's going on as well. So it's just drama, drama, drama. Uh, but apparently um, love- the Saints were upset that Michael Thomas didn't answer some calls. And then all of a sudden he's getting a surgery and Michael Thomas is upset. think they're making him out to be the bad guy. Oh, okay. So we got all this drama going on. It seems like as far as the Packers and Rogers, seems like they've got things worked out a little bit. Their drama is kind of coming to a conclusion. Aaron Rodgers is driving around in his little golf cart all the time. I'm, I'm actually a little fucking jealous. And, um, and then you got the other drama. So uh, let me know, Aaron. Let me know what you think. Gotcha. I'm going to
1: start with the Houston Texans one. because it's really brief here. Like you're talking about how absurd it is. It's because it is like it, it is. I mean, I think the other 31 teams are seeing through this. This is, in my opinion, This is strictly the Houston Texans trying to create some form of leverage. Like, oh, yeah, we want Deshaun Watson to come play for us. Maybe we'll trade him to you if you really, really want, but we really want to keep him, so you're going to have to pay up. That's how I kind of took that. I mean, that's what they say, but then you look at what they've done. Like, their very first draft pick, when they didn't have a first or second-round pick, they went and drafted a quarterback. And is Davis Mills the answer? probably not but no. just the actions the actions speak louder than words they went and brought in multiple veteran quarterbacks uh, the texans aren't fooling anybody well okay maybe they can fool one of the uh, one of the 31 nfl teams and then good for them then this whole thing works but to me that's all it is well, what about you what do you think about that with the houston texans
0: i just think it's all a mess I wish it would resolve. It. So like, there were people like one of my favorite podcasts, the around the NFL podcast, mm-hmm. they were constantly harping about the Aaron Rodgers thing. And I'm like, that is one of the greatest quarterbacks of our time that has not gotten enough help from his management. And I'm, I'm like, if he wants to throw a fucking fit, more power to him. And I'm saying, this is a former, you know, Vikings fan who was not a fan of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. But uh, hey, come on now. It's a much different. Uh, so, like, I did the whole. Thing with the Texans and Watson and all of that, I'm ready for that to be over. You know, as much as some of these other people were ready for the Packers, Rogers drama to go, I didn't mind that. I'm ready for this shit to be over. I don't know why the hell the motherfucker's not on the exempt list. I really don't understand that. Just to keep them out of the fuck, like because I I don't even know what the Texans are to, to I just. Yeah. I just it's it's a mess, dude. I'm like, "What is going on here?" This dude has been accused of some crazy ass shit, and he's just out there practicing, but then they're not like treating him like he's the guy 100% of the time. Like it's just it's a <laughs> fucking mess. I I hate it. I'm over it. <laughs> Sorry. I probably talk longer about it than I should. have.
1: Nah, I mean, I think we're we're all the same boat there. Yeah, we're all through. I think the only reason he hasn't been on the the commissioner exempt list is speculation i'm certainly no expert in law again I yeah, read i read mean, contracts for i could read nfl player contracts all day and it makes sense but i think it's because the legality stuff's still going on i guess is probably why they're we're just in this awkward limb uh, that actually limo, makes sense you know? yeah that's that's the only reason i think nothing's happened but oh uh, well we'll see on that one but yeah i'm with you i want we've talked so much about Deshaun watson since you and I have both been doing this podcast. Um, really quick on the Aaron Rodgers. Uh what I do want to start off with is props to Ray Ray, our our editor over at Player Profiler. Wow, it was quick. I, I got a I got transaction implication article on Aaron Rodgers completed. I want to say it was Saturday morning. And then boom, Monday morning, it was it was already published. Like he's the man able to go and Get that live. So I mentioned that because I have all of my thoughts uh on that with Aaron Rodgers right there. The one thing I, I guess kind of some bullet points on that is
0: oh you mean you're not this- gonna spill the whole article right here like you do previously. <laughs> I, I could, I could.
1: I got super excited about Josh Allen. But bullet points with Aaron Rodgers. No, you're true. I think I think most of the stuff everyone knows, but um it's gonna be his last season, Green Bay. Like that is just like there we're all ready for it to be done we have a countdown when he signed when the contract was restructured we were given roughly not i wouldn't even say 12 months like we're talking like off season next year meaning march yeah i'd say march <laughs> by by march this will be resolved we'll know where he's at like cuz that contract prevents him from being franchise tagged it voids in 2023, but the reason that he's going to be on the move in 2022 is he carries an absurd like 46 million dollar cap hit. Like that's that's a lot. Or no, I I don't think it was 46 million. I think it was like 43 million. And on top of that, the Packers are 46 million over the cap. I get it. People that have followed what the Saints have done, like yes, you can manipulate the cap to a degree. But um, all of Rogers' weapons, Devonte Adams, Robert Tanyan, you pull up their upcoming free agents for 2022 and sort by receivers and tight ends. It's it's everybody. Like all of his right. weapons are going to be gone. And and here's the fun thing: the Packers, because he's under contract, they could go. You're under contract. You're going to come play for us in 2022. Rogers can retire. And get this because of the restructured contract, usually you retire, you have to forfeit your guaranteed money. Part of this restructure is if Aaron Rodgers decides to retire, he doesn't have to pay that guaranteed money back. He can literally take his ball home and collect his money. Like That's it's, fantastic. it's crazy. It's crazy. So he, he's gone because 46 million okay. over the cap. You have no way of keeping Devontae Adams. You have no way of even keeping a guy like Tanyan. And i broncos makes the most sense i mean that is it's not a bold take on that one but i do have one bold bold destination for aaron Rodgers, a division rival of the broncos las vegas raiders Mm. john gruden john gruden since he came back to to the raiders he hasn't drafted a quarterback with significant draft capital he hasn't i mean he signed Marcus Mariota. He hasn't signed a notable free agent quarterback, right? Like it's just, he's had Derek Carr there and they've just kind of stuck with him. But next offseason, Derek Carr's got zero guaranteed money. We can move on from him. They already have about 53 million in cap space and they've already been linked to Devontae Adams. Kind of this is me going, we want bold, we want dark horse teams. Mm. Raiders go out and go and sign Devonte Adams, then they could sign Aaron Rodgers because if you cut or trade Derek Carr, there's 19 million right there. Right. Like basically, that money almost covers Devonte Adams. Just imagine Aaron Rodgers, Devonte Adams on the same team. Then you have Darren Waller. You got Brian Edwards and Henry Brugs. Like that's That's at least a fun Madden offense. And that was me admitting in the article, it's a dark horse contender. But, man, Gruden always wants to do these big moves. And their draft, their draft was focused solely on defense. Mm. Ah, I just think, like,
0: crazy things have happened. It seems like he wants to be on the West Coast. I mean – he wants to There's go back to the snow. West Coast. So that, that can make sense. That is the one reason I can't necessarily because I've got a bit of a dark horse one, too. I think it's potentially possible for the Colts to get in the mix. I mean, you look at what's going on with them. They really want to win. Think they think took so. a chance on Philip Rivers. And then this year, they were going to ta- take a chance on wins. He's banged up. So it's probably kind of a you know, we'll see what Wentz is made of when he comes back kind of year. It doesn't feel like they're going to go out and do anything crazy. So maybe this is something they look at for next year. Like, Hey, we've still got a really good team. We draft. Well, we do this. Well, Mm -hmm. let's take that shot and try and get Aaron Rodgers here because, whoa, that would be a good one too. But I also, I like the Raiders idea too. So very interesting stuff with that could be
1: some crazy it. stuff but the major takeaway though is like the way that contract's designed like he's he's not playing in Green Bay after this season like this is this is it like this the reason I call the article it's Aaron rodgers last dance the reason they keep that rogers himself and Adams are putting pictures from the last dance like it this is it this is poor pack well not even poor Packers fans like between Rodgers and Brett Favre, you've had what three decades of excellent quarterback play for the most part. Like, geez, like two Super Bowls, like some franchises would kill for that. <laughs> so, right. And then the rest of the NFC North, they just, they, they celebrate. It will be going to be super weird when Rodgers moves on because what team is there to really, Like take a hold of that division. Detroit's in the early stages of a rebuild. Chicago does have Justin Fields, but Chicago Mm. is just a a crappy organization. And (laughs) that's true. They lucked into they lucked into Justin Fields, and the Vikings they they had a pretty good draft. They've been finding good pieces left and right, but they paid they've been paying a lot of money for Kirk cousins. (laughs) So that division's wide open and it's going to be fun to see who takes over.
0: Yep. I'll be interested. And that's the thing about the Vikings, man, is they, they just, it's, it's like they do a lot good, but then there's like just a blemish and it's kind of what they've always got just a little bit of something holding them back. It feels like, um, Now, one last thing of news, then maybe we'll do a quick guillotine uh, discussion before heading out, but uh, had a little tight end hype. So since we didn't get to play our buy or sell game, Aaron, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm buying some Irv and Parham hype in best ball for sure. Now, I, I, I am admittedly a fan of Irv, so I liked him regardless, but, uh, to me, this is screaming best ball. I didn't, I mean, I was reading something about, uh, Herbert is liking Parham as a fucking red zone weapon. Great. That's a best ball target right there. That's a perfect best yeah. ball target. If you ask me. So, uh, in that respect, yeah, I'm buying some of the hype on these guys. We'll see how it goes, but, um, it, you know, not anything crazy, but, uh, Again, kind of figured Irv would be there. And you figure unless, was it uh, McKitty who went to L.A.? No. Yep, who, trade, yeah. Trey McKitty. So, you know, most tight ends take a little bit of time, you know. So you kind of figured, well, Parham is probably going to get the first crack. So there he is getting himself a little hype. So uh, I don't mind either of the guys really. Aaron, what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, uh, I'll start with Parham because I just – I can't quit Parham. <laughs> I, he's, he, fun like. he just, yeah. he's fun to like. He's fun to like. You know, he's 6'8". Yes, he's, he's probably a, a little fun. more skinnier. But, like, he he even was kind of self-aware of – like, he, he didn't pat himself on the back uh, with his performance last year. And there were some impressive moments. Like, he definitely has a skill set that can – that'll keep him around the NFL. But he's like, I gotta get better. Gotta get better. And the Chargers did bring in Jared Cook, veteran guy there. That that will be the starter. But the offense coordinator. Oh, that's that, right. That they brought I in, forget
0: about fucking. That, Jared
1: oh, but that's okay. I I think Cook is, like, Cook is gonna be starting, but Cook's getting up there in age. Yeah. And, and like, I don't think we're expecting Jared Cook to play like all the tight end uh, snaps there. And. Joe Lombardi is the offense coordinator in Los Angeles for the Chargers. He came from New Orleans. Um, Briefly, oh man, a a while ago, I think back 2014, 2015, he was with the Detroit Lions. Um, They had one really good season and the next season fell off, but he's been like Sean Payton's right-hand man um, in, in New Orleans. And when we had EDG back on the show, we talked about the Saints offense, Saints, utilize a lot of what was it tw- did i say tw- 21 personnel no 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 okay it was 21 personnel was was two running backs but but the saints still utilize multiple tight ends as well i expect lombardi coming in going to implement some of that and jared cook actually had an interesting quote when he was talking about donald parham i mean more can't buzz than anything right paraphrasing Like I guess they have these little scanners on that that tracks their speed when I guess either when they're when they're in the games, when they're doing the scrimmages or when they're when they're doing routes. And he said Parham was the fastest on the scanner. Now could not find in that quote if he was referencing the tight ends, all receivers. Can't imagine. I mean, they got some speed there, but still (laughs) even Jared Cooks, like even the fellow tight end is noticing Donald Parham. In his performance mm-hmm. there, so I'm with you. Like I'm not quite sure if I could get on best ball because man, when you get to like the eight, 17th, 18th round, there are some there's some guys I really like.
0: But, that's true. Like, there there's a lot of guys I like towards the end.
1: But like dynasty, dynasty, but I mean, yeah. it,
0: you know, if you keep hearing some high, it, if it's true, like you know, that's the type of guy that could. Eh, yeah. a few times a year get you a couple touchdown game like you never certainly. know um
1: certainly i like him i definitely like him in in dynasty as like one of those guys that you stash because especially mentioned tight ends tight ends usually is like the best position that you can target with free agency like you can almost always find like two or three guys that are worth picking up um no matter what time of the year it is and parm is kind of one of those guys fun to watch um, now with Herb Smith. Now, hold, on, the, hold, the, hold on, hold oh, on. I got to yeah, take yeah. it
0: back on Parham. I got to take it back on Parham. I can just see in my head, I see EDG because they hit the, him screaming at me for that take. For the par. <laughs> I could best just ball. feel it. I, I took your words and then I thought about it for a second. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it might not be best for best ball. I think that, I- oh, EDG, probably. that's probably one of the ones he wants to jump through the screen and uh, yell at us for so or yell at me for so (laughs) sorry sorry Irv Smith you were saying
1: yeah with Irv Smith though the quote was he continued to shine in red zone drills and I love it because like you pull a player profiler two red zone stats there Irv Smith just last season had 12 red zone targets number 16 amongst tight ends and his red zone target share 25 percent That sounds absurdly high. It's because it is. It was number six amongst all tight ends, and and remember, he was playing behind Kyle Rudolph. And then when Rudolph went down, he was splitting time with Tyler Conklin. And Tyler Conklin was was getting getting some hype of because he Conklin was impressive too. Right, we like him. Conklin's been injured though uh, during training camp. So so this has been one of the good things. I know early in the offseason, people were off Irv Smith. They're like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, it's going to be – it's a Vikings offense. It goes through Thielen and Justin Jefferson, which Justin Jefferson, I don't believe that this is a major injury, but get an AC joint sprain shoulder. So it's – Jefferson got hurt. Conklin has been missing practice. Ola B.C. Johnson towards his A.C. like, right. it's just a matter of Irv Smith has been healthy, and he's been playing, and and when you're out there, was well, what they say you can't can't make the club in the tub. Well, I, not that Justin Jefferson's spot was ever, you know, in doubt. But for Irv Smith, hey, when you're playing out there and you're practicing and you're one of the healthy top guys there, like yeah, the quarterback's gonna be looking your way. Like this, this should matter. And and I think we've seen, we saw the Irv Smith hype peak because of course kyle rudolph got cut and then it kind of plateaued for just a little bit and then people are like i don't know like there's a there's better options and we start seeing them go down right but it's about to take that turn back up and i i think by the time we get to these redraft leagues his adp is going to be right where it should be where you could be like hmm, i'm going late round tight end And Irv Smith has the right amount of upside for that, so I like that. I I like this for Irv. It's consolidated target share, anyways, because we talked about it. The the two receivers there, Thielen and Justin Jefferson, are going to combine for. If they're healthy, those two are going to combine for forty five to fifty percent of the target share, and Hmm. none of these other receivers. BC Johnson was the only guy. Well, he doesn't get much playing time in three receiver sets. BC Johnson is the only receiver to ever do anything. I actually, the Athletic had a recent 53 man roster prediction there. They did not have Chad Beeb make the team. Beeb or Beebe, like Beebe. the guy that is like their slot receiver. So mm. it's either going to be Amir Smith marset is like that third option, or Irv Smith. And you have to give Irv Smith the nod here. He's now a third year veteran player and with more draft capital. They could see it. They could see it.
0: I agree. Damn, dude, I do love me Mary Smith. I always have, and but do, you know, you did leave out D. Westbrook. I'm just gonna st- <laughs> <He's> still <laughs> there. He's still there. He's uh, and I'll, they actually Mike Zim have him you liked him some <laughs> D.D. Westbrook. What
1: they they uh the athletic on their 53 man roster projection they did have D. Westbrook there. Oh, no, there you go.
0: I just wanted to it bring is, it.
1: it is a matter of, and he's got the talent, like in terms of those other receivers, like Westbrook should, like, has that right comp- combination of production. Hmm. But they did have him as, like, number five because they said he still is working his way back
0: from Torn ACL. Oh, no. I but, forgot about that. But still, yeah.
1: But they have him, I mean, if they have him making the team, despite the fact that he's still not quite able to practice, that does bode well for him. That's a good
0: sign, for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, dude. That was awesome. I I was going to do some guillotine league, but it's already been. Should we save it? (laughs) It's already, this was supposed to be a shorter pod. And, well, I I was thinking we should save it anyway, because I think I did this before when we were in a draft, and I was like, we should talk about the draft. And then we got to it, and I'm like, we should wait till the draft is over. So that all, all I'm going to say is it's been fun. Aaron and I are both in a a, a money Don't guillotine wish. league with a bunch of my um, people from my other different leagues that I commish. And then we're in the Roto Underworld guillotine league. And I tell you what, that one has Brutal. been, uh, what, what, what did you reference it as? brutal it's been brutal it's brutal and i tell you what there's been just a couple of i don't normally look back on some of my picks and go oh because i normally stay confident in my picks but i feel like there's one maybe two where i could have done something a little better for my team in the end i don't think it kills me but we'll get into that later all i know is man it's been fun and um and, and so far, and it's been crazy to see the difference between the two, you know, so uh right. playing with our fellow Roto Underworld fellers and, uh you know, against some other guys, so more casuals. So it's been it's been fun and uh, very interesting, but uh, that's sure. all I got for the guillotine shit we'll get well, you know we'll hop on that and talk more of that at another time probably wait till if not the end of the draft till towards the end of the draft but uh mr aaron my good buddy any final thoughts from you mr on anything we talked about anything you want to close with at all
1: man i think we've got it all i think we had a good show you know, we had to kind of change things up a little bit. And I know what, probably in like two minutes when people watch this podcast, it's going to go straight into an interview. <laughs> right. But it's great. We're, we're finally at a time where things are happening in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I mean, countdown is there. We are, what, we, we're almost four weeks away. I think mm-hmm. four weeks from this Thursday, like this when when the season starts. I'm, I just, it's crazy. I'm man. excited. Football's back. I it is.
0: It. <laughs> it's coming out. It, it, that uh, opening week will be here before we know it. So love it's it. going to be a blast. All right. Well, let's end this damn fantasy TR. Get the hell out of here. Don't forget to follow us at rmkmanus at on the Twitters. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Today, tomorrow, whenever you're joining us. Until next time, ta-ta for now. us Romance!
1: Right, Dynasty Wonderland, it is your salary captain, Aaron Stewart, back here for another special interview with Anand Nanduri. He is the salary cap guru. You can find him on Twitter at Nanduri NFL. That's N-A-N-D-U-R-I-N-F-L. He also has a wonderful podcast, the Decision Point podcast on Roto Underworld Radio. I highly recommend checking that out for anyone, not just people that like fantasy football, but people that just like football, like the insight that Anand gives the viewers, the listeners. It's, I, I go back and I re-listen to every podcast that comes out. It's such good information. Anand, man, how are you doing?
2: Good, man. Thanks for having me, Aaron. It's It's been a great time, you know, uh, spending time with uh, Josh Larky on Roto Underworld initially. And then obviously the podcast with Matt, which we've gotten, you know, rave reviews from and and we love doing it. So um, I hope that everybody tunes into the decision point.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I already said, I highly recommend it. It's it's excellent content. There's nothing like that out there in the podcasting world. In fantasy football, that's hard to find every Every podcast is the same. We were kind of talking about that uh, off off air here. And, you know, I just want to kind of get into the, the meat and potatoes here. Uh, I know our time may be limited, but we had three massive extensions that came up, or three big-name players that got extensions. Uh, the, the first one that happened was Aaron Rodgers, the, the restructure. Like, the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, agreed to a deal that – it is interesting I I have some ideas on it but I want to hear from you what does this restructure what does it tell Packers fans what does it tell us about Aaron Rodgers future when you see that well
2: what does it tell you I think he took a page out of um, a different sport um, actually uh, Brady did this for a little bit um, in New England but really the pioneer of kind of pushing your organization to do what's right by you by essentially signing a one-year deal was LeBron James and coming back to Cleveland in, in 2015. And when he did that, he kind of forced the owner of the Cavs, Dan Gilbert, who he was at odds with to build around him immediately and do what he wanted. Because if not, you knew immediately he could go walk. And so this Aaron Rodgers extension obviously allows him to essentially part ways with the Packers in 2022, if he so chooses, which I think he will. I think the majority of people think that he's kind of run his course there. Mm -hmm. That's going to be potentially a third full year of sitting Jordan Love on the pine. I don't think they can afford to do that. I don't think that makes a lot of sense. So I think from both sides perspective, it made a lot of sense to stay together this year, but going forward, they're really going to have to impress him in the next off season in order to keep him there. And I don't know that they're necessarily the kind of organization that's going to push all their chips to the middle of the table and kind of take that run.
1: Yeah. Cause I, I know historically green Bay, I mean, back to Ted Thompson as the GM, like they just never do anything in free agency. It's they draft, they develop it's, Rarely do they ever make a move to bring in a guy. So I, I'm I'm with you. Like, I mean, Brandon Cobb may be their big move. Yeah, we made Rogers happy. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. And I think that is the common thing is that this is the last dance. Right? <laughs> all the all the yeah. memes and everything. Yeah, <laughs> so
2: it's yep. I mean, I think they're going to make it look pretty for the cameras for a little bit. Um, and I mean, if they start winning, and and you know they really push that Super Bowl, I mean, hey, what what happens if they win the Super Bowl? I mean, obviously we're speculating here. I mean, you win the Super Bowl, are you really going to leave that team? And and I think that's kind of where this gets tough. Is I think he's on the same kind of wavelength that Brady was on his last couple years in New England, where hey, as long as we're winning, I'm down to come back. The second that I feel like we're tra- headed in the wrong direction. I think I'm out. And so I think Aaron's protecting himself from that while also acknowledging, hey, I mean, we had a pretty special team here last year. I mean, you're a few bounces of the ball and a few really bad decisions, let's be honest, away from potentially being in a Super Bowl, and at which point, you know, Aaron's happy and we're not having these problems.
1: Right, and yeah, shoot. I mean, just the decision to, like, what was it? Kick a, fi- oh, what
2: was it? They kicked the field goal and they missed. Like, oh yeah, a, a- fourth and eight. <laughs> I think it was fourth and goal from the eight. And and I, oh. I think they kicked a field goal down by eight. It yeah, I, I mean, cite any chart you want, any metric you want, any football guy you want. It's very rare that the, the stats guys, the analytics guys, and the football guys all agree on anything. Uh, but I, I think everybody was in sync there that you don't kick that field goal ever for any reason.
1: And I think I was pissed because I had... Last season, I, I would do these Thursday night football preview articles. When I got to the playoffs, I started doing some of the playoff games as well. And I had the the Saints and Buccaneers game. I was like, man, I think it's going to be close. But I was like, I think the Packers match up so well with the Buccaneers. I was like, I'll take the Packers. And to see that, I was like, oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding! Gotta be kidding! Me. They had it. I I thought momentum was was on their side. And yeah, so it makes you wonder if those types of decisions, like where it's it's not just maybe the front office, but just like even coaching decisions where Rodgers is like, you got to be getting me. <laughs> like You're not giving me help. Then coaches aren't putting, putting the team in position to succeed. Ugh, you got to feel bad for the guy.
2: I mean, I, to an extent, yes. And to an extent, no, right? Because Aaron Rodgers for most of his career, especially when he was with McCarthy, was playing Superman. And, yeah. and I think that that was part of the reason of why he had these brilliant individual seasons, but they would flame out in the playoffs to clearly superior teams because his teams weren't built to win championships. Right. They, they were built for, you know, you know, built for whatever Green Bay wanted to do in the future. I, I think Green Bay is a much more forward-thinking organization as opposed to anyone that's in the present, which – has its benefits and its drawbacks, right? They're always prepared, right? If Aaron Rodgers had walked, most teams would be in disarray. I mean, they they had a viable backup plan in Jordan Love. I'm not saying he was ready, but, you know, you could essentially get the rebuild restarted. Right. I think LaFleur coming in and kind of helping Aaron out, bringing, you know, turning Aaron Jones into what he is, making sure Devontae Adams gets his one-on-ones scheming Tunyon and, and Jimmy Graham and whoever else they'd brought in. I think Matt LaFleur's offense helps Aaron Rodgers so much in terms of not having to be Superman all the time anymore. And I think that was a mutually beneficial relationship until you get to that point, which obviously Matt had never been in as really a primary play caller and man, I, I bet he wishes he could have that one back. Cause I mean, oh, yeah. man, that, that was, that was about as big a gaffe in a situation like that as I can remember. Oh,
1: it, it was painful, but I guess like going forward, I, I read this and I was, I was looking to try and confirm on track, but maybe you can confirm or, or, um, de uh, this. I, just, I, I read that like part of Aaron Rodgers is under contract 2022. In theory, the Packers could be like, you're under contract, you're going to play for us. And I I read that Rodgers could actually retire and instead of having to give back the guaranteed money that's owed to him, which usually is the case for for retired players, that he could actually retire and not give back any of that. Did did you see that anywhere? Like, is that actually an Um, option?
2: (laughs) Based on the structure, and my guess would be I can't remember it off the top of my head, but that my guess would be, that would mean that 2023 is a void year. Yes. And in that case, yes. Because if, if, if there is a void year in the future that the team has instilled in a contract and the player retires before then that money will also accelerate. So in theory, (laughs) green Bay was borrowing from the future to pay for today, which is fine. And and I mean, obviously they know the cap's going to go up and, and they're going to be okay. But Roger's retiring as opposed to playing somewhere else is different. Roger's retiring would really throw a wrench in some things. Oh. Um, if he did it at the end of 2021, if it's structured the way that I think it is. Um, but I haven't delved that much into the particular contract. Like I haven't delved too much in the details yet.
1: Well, one of the things I did notice is like his, his cap hit is, is massive. I, I, I believe he deserves it. <laughs> He's the reigning MVP. It's going to be like forty six yeah. million million yeah. cap hit. And it, or 46. Let me sorry. I want to say they're 46 million over the cap in 2022. As we know, that doesn't really matter. Like teams like the, the Saints really. 100 million yeah. last year. Um, his cap, yeah. Hit, I mean, actually, his cap you hit pay, is 46 million. You,
2: I mean, I was just say, you pay as much as you need to pay in a window when you have Aaron Rodgers if you're not guaranteed to have Aaron Rodgers going forward, right? right. And I think New Orleans is the blueprint for that with Breeze. The thing is, if neither team gets a championship out of it, what do we say about that school of thought, right? right. I still think, even even though the final the, the the finality of the verdict wasn't necessarily what you want it to be, I think you have to admire the decision making process that led you there and say, okay, even though the result isn't what we wanted, I think the, the decision making process was sound.
1: Absolutely, because. As as you mentioned earlier, I mean they've been so close. Even these past two seasons, they've been so close. They've been what a thirteen yeah. and a twelve win team, I believe, the past two seasons. Like they've been one yeah. of the top teams, and it's literally. as we know football. There's X amount of plays, and one or two plays can change an entire game. <laughs> and who knows if you let yeah. Aaron Rodgers go for and, and, and I a mean, pass, could they could have won? Well, I mean
2: they. I mean, you think about it this way, right? The, uh, the the breakdown, the, the Scotty Miller touchdown at the end of the first half. It, that doesn't happen. You know, you extrapolate out there down one. Now, football doesn't work that way because obviously every decision from that point on would have been made differently. But, I mean, ultimately, if you look at it as a, a zero-sum game, right? Th- that's kind of what goes on, right? Is mm-hmm. you needed eight points. Well, essentially, when at the end of the game, you needed five points from somewhere. And you gave up six, seven free ones. Um, Against really, really good teams that are evenly matched like that, those kinds of plays make such a huge difference in outcome. And I think LaFleur could have afforded to be a little more aggressive early. Now, one of the things that I think gets lost in translation about that game, Aaron Rodgers is probably my favorite player in the league still. But, I mean, he had drives in the third and fourth quarter where they just didn't score points. I mean, he had every opportunity to win that game. It shouldn't have come down to fourth and goal, uh, and, and and that's just my two cents. But I, I think it's very easy to rip into Lafleur for the decision. And and don't get me wrong, I did the same. And I and I think we're right to do that. But at the same time, that game wasn't lost on fourth and goal. That game was lost in the the second third quarter, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. um, it just ended the way that it did.
1: Yeah, because they did. They put themselves in a massive hole. I remember watching. I'm like, oh my gosh, guys, like come out with some fight, something, anything. You're really making my prediction look bad.
2: Yep. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, I'm I'm with you, and and I, I don't know if um if you've looked at like their their list of free agents, but one of the other problems is even if Rogers does come back in theory, that is still an option. Um, I, I like the LeBron James analogy that you gave. Like, that's perfect. Like LeBron James, the always signing the one year and plus a player option to, to keep teams on their toes and building the best team. Well, Green Bay is going to be without Devonte Adams and Robert Tanya and his free agents. And then on top of that, they their, their roster got super expensive. Now granted they can do all kinds of things. Maybe they do some extensions on some, some players, they had some of their defensive guys with massive cap hits where it's almost, they, they almost have to extend them or move on from them. But man, if you're sitting there with Aaron Rodgers, I think that, I think this deal really does do the obvious of what we're all expecting, where this is the last year and it forces them to, to trade them. And I I think a dark horse team, because everyone talks Broncos, I think Broncos makes sense. And and actually I want to stick with the Broncos. Like they, they go in the draft, they need a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater. Come on, that, that's not the answer. They have Justin. Yeah, he's Fields. not it. Yeah, they have Justin Fields and they pass on him. We know these teams always know stuff. Like, is it possible? Is are we correct in assuming that maybe the re, part of the reason they pass on Fields is they sit there and they smell blood in the water and they're like, we could get Rogers. Like, it's realistic. We can get Rogers.
2: If that's what happened, that's really poor gming. And George Payton's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. um if if that's if that is indeed what happened then that's really poor gming and that's just my opinion mm-hmm. um but i was told by several people that they just weren't in on fields and <laughs> based on the way that that board fell they were very happy with the options that they had with their pick and that's why they didn't trade out so
1: interesting 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 so, <laughs> Because just real quick on Justin Fields, like I guess it's because I got burned many years ago with Darius Geis because I was like, Guys is a really talented running back. Now, obviously scumbag, right? <laughs> Jeez. But I was yeah. like, why, why is he falling behind these other running backs? And I've learned that, yes, sometimes GMs make mistakes and they miss players. And sometimes they draft Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. But when a lot of teams in the consensus – on a, on a player is the same, and you start to see a talent like Darius guys fall in drafts. And, and for Justin Fields, where I think early in the draft process, it's like Trevor Lawrence, number one, obviously. And then, yeah, it's going to be Justin Fields. They've been tied, they've been tied to the hip since their high school days. And then Fields falls out of the top two, out of the top three, and tumbles. It does, like, that's been really my concern. I've been in terms of fantasy football, I've been pumping the brakes. I mean, I get it. You pull him up on player profiler. It's exciting. He's fast. He's big. It's he can run. He can pass. But I'm like, something just isn't right. Like, there's a lot of t- the Panthers and the Broncos that, when teams tell us what they really think yeah. about players with their actions.
2: <laughs> well, when you are the Broncos or the Panthers, right? Mm-hmm your rosters are more win now constructed than you think you know like like i'm i'm not saying that they're going to be super bowl champions tomorrow but most rosters in the NFL can be built around a bunch of veterans that you go get in free agency as long as you have the quarterback i mean i mean you know, find the quarterback in your rebuild is rather quick. Ask Indianapolis what happened when Andrew Luck was inserted and suddenly the worst team in the league immediately is 11-5, and five, you know? And, I mean, they got him killed back there in year one. It's not, it's not like he had, you know, world beaters all over the place. I mean, the man literally lifted a franchise out of the grounds, stepped into Peyton Manning's shoes and filled them, and maybe then some. Right, I, I mean, absolutely. Finding the quarterback is so paramount and important with the way that we pay these guys. For forget for for a second how important the position is on the field. Right, the way that we value these players in terms of how we pay them, everything is secondary to quarterback. So if you're talking about being in a draft, right? Logically speaking, if you're treating draft capital as capital, the 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 sooner you can get a quarterback, the better. And logically, if you can't get a top tier prospect at their position, move out, move out and let somebody go up and chase a quarterback, let them do something because right. I'll tell you what, throwing darts at a quarterback is never, ever, ever going to be the worst thing that you can do. It's not because if you throw darts at a tight end and miss, right? Like let's say hypothetically TJ Hawkins and busts, I don't think he will, but let's say Hawkins and busts. That is a really bad draft pick. Whereas you go back 10 years, the Jets drafted Mark Sanchez. He didn't work out. He was awful. They went to back-to-back AFC championship games. As long as there's something there, you can get some kind of value. I mean, Sam Bradford, great example. Sam Bradford was terrible. And then Greg <laughs> Robinson. Greg Robinson was completely worthless. So so when when you – when you think about throwing darts early in the first round, you need to have a known quantity. And I think that was the weirdest part about the narrative that was surrounding Justin Fields is I think there was an element of, you know, old guys thinking that, you know, we know what we're doing. And I think the other element of it too, was I think he got unfairly dinged for the big tens ineptitude last year. One, um, And more than that, I think he got he got unfairly knocked down for one, not even bad game against Indiana, just kind of a suspect game against Indiana that where he did a lot of really good things, but also a lot of not so great things. But I mean, he's a kid like everybody else (laughs) who watched a Zach Wilson game last year. I mean, uh, no, like seriously, who watched three years of Zach Wilson? Who, I, I mean, who watched those games, right? Who was right. watching Trey Lance at North Dakota State? You know, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he's going to have the best career out of all of them. I, I think that that so much depends on how their coaching situations turn out, how their GM situations turn out, and how much all of these organizations end up believing in their guy, right? Right. Because I think if you look at it that way, Mac Jones might have the best potential to succeed because I think he has the best head coach. That's just what it is. It's a stable um, situation. Trey Lance, I think he's going to have a, a, an incredible shot at success. Right? right. Right. And the thing about Justin Fields, is I think the kid was so unfairly profiled based on one questionable game and, you know, all of these other things that, that, you know, stuff that was disproven that nobody cared to double check. I mean, everybody in Columbus loved the kid. I mean, every coach, every player had nothing but great things to say about him. And, I think he was so unfairly judged in that decision-making process. But that being said, he did end up in Chicago with a fantastic defense, an offensive-minded head coach, really solid GM, really solid organization. And I think it would be really, really special if after all of that, after everything that Chicago has been through with their quarterback carousel, after all the ridiculous narratives about Justin Fields, if he's finally the quarterback for Chicago – I think that story as it's written will be really, really cool. And, and even tying it
1: to the Packers, too, it's like I think we all believe last dance, last dance for the Packers. And I was even thinking just last night, I was like the Packers, because they have Brett Favre straight to Aaron Rodgers, like 30 years where they basically own that division. For the most part and and you're like okay this is the end like clearly green bay has taken a step back unless <laughs> jordan love makes this massive leap and that's just you can't put that type of expectation on him like no. I, I don't think he's aaron Rodgers, but like i was like who steps up in this division and i'm like you know this is actually pretty dang perfect for the like, for justin fields because i you know if fields had gone to just throwing like raiders right if John Gruden was like, "Yeah, we we'll finally get her our... right." It's like you go to the division that's got Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, and you know it's tough to really uh, excel because you're just constantly in those shadows. And so Chicago, I mean, Minnesota, Minnesota, solid team, but Kirk Cousins, like you, as talked about, you can only really go as far as your quarterback.
2: <laughs> and right, Detroit, and, and that's not. <laughs> I mean, that's not an indictment on Kirk Cousins at all, either. I, th- I think he's very, very good. It's just right. Minnesota's in a weird spot where they're very expensive and kind of a time where you don't want to be, as Detroit's <laughs> retooling and Chicago's got a super young quarterback. And, you know, I think Chicago is very well positioned to kind of take a hold of that division. Uh, maybe for the next 10 or 15 years, maybe not every year, but you know what I mean, kind of the way that the Packers and Vikings have kind of been trading the division back and forth for the last decade plus. I mean, I think you could see Chicago and maybe an- another one of them get in there, but I think they're probably top dogs in the NFC North heading forward if if Justin Fields is what, he, what we think he is.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm rooting for the guy. I mean, I know I was, I was saying like, man, I, I – I'm pessimistic, but it's it was mainly kind of looking at man. You look back historically, QBs that fall outside the top ten, there are some hits. Absolutely, I mean, Mahomes was right there at pick ten, and Watson, the same draft was pick twelve. But it's more often than not those those QBs outside the top ten does not bode well. But maybe Fields like Fields has that profile where I'm like, man, this is what I like in fantasy football. But I'm like, man, why why were these teams? Maybe it was because Like, as you talk about, if you're not getting one of the top guys in in this class, I think it's super deep. Like, Fields may be the fourth QD, but yeah.
2: I mean, he doesn't look the part on on camera uh because, you know, obviously you got offensive linemen and freaks all around the place at Ohio State. I mean, it's not like, you know, he was playing at Southwestern Louisiana where he would stand out. I I mean, the kid is legitimately 6'3", 225. It's not like he's slender and he's fast. He can make every single throw. I mean, if you were to build a modern quarterback in a lab, I think it'd look a lot like Justin Fields. And I mean, you know, Fields and Lawrence were one and two, and and you could have debated that till you were blue in the face since they were about 15 years old. And suddenly, Zach Wilson and Trey Lance have ascended to a tier above. I I just – I didn't understand. And and there was also conversation about Mac Jones being taken before him. (laughs) And I'm like, guys – it's very, very, very rare that you have a quarterback of that level that performs like that in college that isn't going to translate. Right. And so I, I, the other thing is I don't know if anybody watched the Brett Coleman video. Not a plug. He's awesome. Rockstar does incredible work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're a football fan and you haven't watched his YouTube videos, strongly recommend uh, but he did a breakdown of kind of who invented the spread offense, and and kind of went into the tiers and and you know run to pass or run to pass, pass to run, doing all of the spread concept stuff, and then kind of extrapolated it out and like you know who what coaches have taken all of these pieces, you know the air raid, the spread, and kind of modernized it. And Maggie and and Ryan Day kind of run this hybrid supercharged air raid, spread, power attack that Justin Fields uniquely learned, obviously because he was the quarterback at Ohio State, but also that Matt Nagy employs for the Bears. And so when you kind of look at what quarterback is, is best situated to make that seamless transition, I mean, I think Matt Nagy called up his old buddy Ryan and was like, hey, how good is this kid? And I think Ryan told him everything that he needed to hear. And I mean, I think playbook wise, this is going to be the easiest translation other than maybe Trevor Lawrence, because I think he was handed that, uh, that playbook back in January while, while he was exiting the college football playoff. But other than that, I think this might be the easiest of them for anybody. So I'm really excited to see him in Chicago. I mean, what a city, what a quarterback. Yep. I really, really, really hope that he's the guy. I really hope that they can, you know, surround him with the right pieces. And I really hope that he can get them one.
1: Absolutely. And it may be Justin Fields. Like, he may be the guy to save, uh was it Ryan Pace's job that, you know, you were talking about being a good GM and almost well, spent too long, but I don't know. Maybe I was focusing on the wrong things, but I was, I was like, man, like I've, I've actually, the first time I recorded with Ryan, I was very much anti Ryan Pace. I was like, this guy just can't, but maybe it's because he couldn't get the the QB Decision, <laughs> and I think I've been judging GMs more off like wins and losses. But I'm like, hey, that's, I guess that is more of a coach way of measuring um, measuring success than it is GMs. But um, I might have to save Ryan room. <laughs> otherwise, we'll keep recording for like yeah. two hours. <laughs> because yeah. and I-, I mean, and, and
2: no, no, I, I think I think one of the kind of misconceptions is that a GM is responsible for the, you know, for the ultimate success of the on-field product. A general manager's job is to give his head coach the best chance at success, right? And so often the head coach and the GM are are talked about together, right? They're two very distinctive jobs. Now, if they don't work together, that's a problem, right? (laughs) But- they are very different jobs in the sense that a GM's job is to assemble talent. A coach's job is to take the assembled talent to the promised land. And so wins and losses, depending on the situation, it's not, it's not uniformly true, but wins and losses are a pretty poor way of evaluating a GM just because he has no day-to-day influence on what happens with the talent that he assembles, right? Like Jacksonville in 2017 loaded roster. Now, you can't blame the GM in 2018 when everything implodes. Nope. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a talent problem. That's not a GM issue, right? Now, granted, signing Bortles is a bad decision, and we can get into that a different day, but you, you get what I'm saying. Right. Their job is to assemble talent, and, and treating them and judging them like we judge head coaches with wins and losses is an even tougher sell than it is for a head coach.
1: And I think you look no further than the defending Super Bowl champs. And you look at the GM, and, of course, everyone is is now talking, oh, yeah, such a great GM. He's drafted all these guys. And, and you talk about, like, yeah, you can't use wins and losses because, yeah, when you happen to pull them up in pro football reference, like, the record's there. There's only one other winning season. <laughs> you know, if you go off straight wins yeah. and losses, you're like – how the heck has this guy I've been around seven years? And I didn't intend to to, to ask a question and even directly ask it, but I, I love what you just mentioned there. Like this is how we need to judge the GMs, and and I can't wait to start going back through like off seasons and looking at GMs and going like I, I've I've been thinking about like I, I recently went through the past ten years of drafts and like noticing when teams trade up to get running backs and yeah I started looking at wide receivers as well, but I'm probably going to expand that to like just what GMs have done over the years is you start with, Hey, this team, the, the Buccaneers, there's, they won the Super Bowl. How did they get to this point? Like all the little bricks, they, that, that were placed each year to build the foundation to where you finally go, Hey, bring in Brady. That's the final piece to push it there. So I, I love the stuff. I'm a GM junkie there. I, I love the GMs more than the coaches.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a tougher job. If you ask me, I think it is a tougher job because I, I think you're, you're juggling so many more hats as a GM than you are as a coach. Absolutely. Um, but, but I mean, obviously, most coaches would disagree with me and most GMs <laughs> would take my side. So I mean, t- <laughs> t- take, take your pick as to who's right there, right? It's six of one half dozen of the other.
1: Well, and I think I can use this as a great way to segue into the, the, the next talking point. And talk about great GMs. Brandon Bean for the Buffalo Bills. I feel like he's done an excellent job since taking over. Rock I mean, Buffalo- star. Right, like Buffalo, nothing happened in Buffalo. It was how many years did they go where they didn't make the playoff or what was it, not making the playoffs or like without a playoff victory. And then Brandon Bean comes in and man, you look at that team and you're like, holy crap, like suddenly past two seasons, four playoff games they made it to the AFC championship game and then of course earlier this week it was literally an hour after I wrote the show sheet and sent it to Ryan and then it was like Josh Allen extension I was like of course like that's been kind of a running joke on our podcast is like anytime we do a show sheet or even like we would record Monday night the next morning I wake up and there'd be some huge news it's like of course <laughs> but Josh Allen six-year extension 258 million dollars and a nfl record i believe 100 million guaranteed at signing which if anyone is kind of learning the basics about contracts that guarantee money is the most important especially the guarantee money at signing like literally put your name on the contract boom 100 million dollars for josh allen like what have you had a chance to to get to look at the the details on this what what stands out on this contract to
2: you um contract length stands out i mean i mean six years a long time Mm -hmm. uh 258 million dollars i believe it was something like that um 100 million guaranteed to sign is a lot of dough and uh I, i think when you talk about brandon bean one of his big big successes in buffalo is getting veterans to stay and to buy in right Over and over and over again until they finally cleared that hurdle to get back into the playoffs when Andy Dalton threw that touchdown pass to beat Baltimore. I think it was two or three years ago. (laughs) Uh, And then I can't remember how long ago it was, but it was a while ago. And then to draft Josh Allen one and just to say, hey, we're going to start him. We're just going to find out what the kids got. Right. And if people remember year one, Josh Allen was a project that went out there and won games. Right. That doesn't happen very often. That does not happen very often. Now, I was much higher on Josh Allen than most people coming out. In, in my opinion, you know, he was the guy in that draft class. Him and Lamar Jackson were kind of my guys. And so uh, when Baker Mayfield was kind of touted as the number one, I was concerned. Like, I, I, I kind of think people kind of wanted the college Play to translate immediately, and he fell into a really good situation in Cleveland. And don't get me wrong; he may end up having the best career out of any of them. That that mm-hmm. may very well happen, but Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, to me, were just hey. The physical tools are so ridiculous yeah. on these two. I mean, you have a soup, you have a mega charged Michael Vick over here, and you've got Big Ben Roethlisberger with like way, 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 way more athleticism over here in Allen. If either of them ever figure it out, they're going to be well worth a top five pick. Right. And so obviously one of the things in drafting a quarterback is if you need a guy to start right away, you probably won't commit to getting a project, right? And so one of the big gold stars that Brandon Bean gets is he knew Okay, it's going to take some time to get this kid ready, but we're just going to throw him into the fire and see what happens. And with McDermott and with the staff that they've built in Buffalo, they didn't ask him to do too much early. Early on, he leaned a lot on his athleticism. He rarely threw the ball to the middle of the field. It was all scripted stuff. And off script, it was either play backyard football or run the ball. That's it. Right? Love it. Your two, they kind of adapted and, 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 and kind of moved things along and moved things along. And then this year, getting him on Diggs and, and kind of retooling things a little bit, they said, all right, Josh, can you be a quarterback? And I mean, I think he passed that test. So when you talk about GMs and their, their hits, especially someone like a Josh Allen, right? One of the things that you've got to understand as a GM is just because one worked out does not mean they will all work out. And we're going to sing Brandon Bean's praises for taking the tall, lanky, athletic, cannon-armed quarterback out of Wyoming, right? And now you've heard the term the NFL is a copycat league. Someone is going to try to find another project of a kid, tall, lanky, built, cannon for an arm, and see if he can work for them too. Reminding you of anybody, Jordan Love, Lance, any, like, you, <laughs> you get what I'm saying, right? Not, not, not right. And there's, there was once upon a time, an archetype for a quarterback. You need to be over six foot three. You need to weigh about 200 plus pounds, have a decent arm and have played four years in college. That was kind of the barometer for, are you an NFL quarterback? And now they come in all shapes and sizes. You have Kyler Murray and Cam Newton playing the same position, right? They don't even look like they don't even look like they should be playing the same sport.
1: <laughs> One like, looks like the kid like, of
2: the other. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so once you kind of realize that a quarterback is only going to be as successful as the stuff that you put around him, you start to appreciate a GM's duty a lot more. Now there are quarterbacks that just aren't cut out to make it, right? And, and I think those are much easier to see than the others. Then they're just kind of middle of the road guys that are you know gonna be whatever the roster around them is there are guys that can elevate you a little bit but can't quite take you over the hump and then you've got your aaron Rodgers, mahomes brady manning that tier of guy where it's just we can be awful and they might carry us to the promised land anyway and so i think in paying him that kind of money buffalo is betting that josh allen isn't quite there yet but can evolve into that tier of quarterback where it's hey he can carry us. If nobody else If nobody else shows up on a given Sunday, 17 can go win us a game. And so when you have a guy like that, it empowers your front office to take risks and make bold moves like trading for digs, even when in theory, you're giving too much up for something, right? Like some people are like, well, digs for first round pick, like maybe you could have gotten someone in the draft. You could have done this. You could have done that. No, no, no. If you know that that guy is going to make your quarterback get better, go get him, right? right? Whether it's in the draft or whether you trade for him, whatever it is you do. Help help your quarterback out because that is essentially, even though in theory that's not in the job title of a GM, like at this point with as important as that position is, as much money as we pay them, as much draft capital as we invest in them, right? Job one CDEFG of a, of a general manager is help your quarterback because- If you don't, if you choose not to help him, you can get in an Andrew Luck like situation or he can start to regress like a Marcus Mariota. There's look, if Marcus Mariota inherited this Tennessee Titans team, who knows, man, he could have been really, really good. I mean, Ryan Tannehill was all right in Miami and then a disaster in Miami and is suddenly maybe a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Like. Who saw this coming? Nobody, nobody saw this coming. Put your hands down, you goddamn liars. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, and, and I mean, the resurgence is incredible, right? But but the job of a GM is to make his quarterback's life easy. The job of a head coach is to make his quarterback's life easy. And the more you can do that, and the more things that you can do to make him successful, I think the better he'll be. And that's why I kind of love each one of the fits for these young guys that got drafted this year, whether it's Lawrence, who's clearly Jacksonville fully committed to him they fully committed to Meyer and you know whether that works or not is is up for debate but you know they, they're committed. they committed they have a unified vision and they're going the direction they're going the Jets and bringing Robert Sala and his whole new staff which I think they did a great job doing drafted interior offensive linemen and and you know took Zach Wilson which you know personally to me I wouldn't have done it. But if he's your guy, he's your guy. Like I I have no problem with an organization choosing to commit to somebody in the draft and saying, that's our guy. We're going to go in with him. I think when you get into problems is when you say, oh, this guy kind of fell to us. Well, do we take him? When you kind of get into a Dwayne Haskins, Washington situation, right? But you look at Lance in San Francisco, perfect skill set, perfect fit. Justin Fields in Chicago seems like a perfect fit. Mac Jones in New England. Right. I mean, new England and new Orleans were kind of the two where you're like, uh, oh, he, he could do damage there. Right. And, and so I th- I think all of the first round quarterbacks kind of went to their best respective situations, kind of looking back on knowing what we know now, but of them, I think, you know, uh, going back to kind of what we were talking about with Josh Allen, they clearly knew he was their guy in Buffalo and, when they drafted him, they committed immediately to, all right, this is, this team is going to be built in Josh Allen's image. And if we're wrong, we're going to completely implode everything. And that's fine. But if we're right, by the time he's at the end of his rookie contract, we're going to really be competing for super bowls. And,
1: and one of the things too, that I noticed, like you talk about competing for super bowls. I thought it was interesting how they structured some of the guaranteed money. Cause there, there's a, there's a nice little option bonus in 2022 worth about 42 million dollars and that's and kind of weird because the way option bonuses work um, for people that are want to kind of learn a little bit about these these uh, the salary cap terms is basically it's like a team option it's basically you the the year 2022 comes up and the team's given an option hey do you want Josh Allen on your team for 2022 if so. You got to pay this option bonus. At least that's how I understand that. In its simplicity, is that what what an option bonus is?
2: Sure. I mean, okay. essentially, the reason his his contract is structured the way that it is is to give them cap flexibility going forward, kind of like Mahomes' yeah. contract does, where you have a roster bonus every year. That essentially it's a signing bonus, but it, <laughs> right. but it's written off as a roster bonus in order to kind of you know move the money down the road, so to speak. But, both I mean, both of those guys are going to be on those teams for more than likely a decade, you know, knock on wood that nobody gets injured. Um, but I'm, I mean, it's pretty easy to kind of see those two guys being the faces of Buffalo and Kansas city and kind of, you know, you might even begin to see the whole Brady Manning Ben rivers be, or, you know, Brady Manning Ben essentially with, uh, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, and Josh Allen. I think you can kind of see that brewing and then maybe a Baker Mayfield in there as kind of the Phillip Rivers. We'll see if he ever breaks through. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Um, but I mean, I, I think the AFC going forward, the quarterback, the young quarterbacks look really, 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 really good. And that's going to be a really tough conference to win for a long time.
1: Oh, it's crazy. That, that 2018 QB class. I mean, you look at the AFC. You talk about Cleveland, Buffalo, Baltimore, those teams I think are almost guarantees to make the playoffs. They're just stacked teams, just and with that are led by QVs that can win games and and I actually have a bold prediction on kind of we know Lamar Jackson's extensions coming up and and kind of my bold prediction I I put it on Twitter I put a little poll out there and I was like guys Lamar Jackson's next how much Guarantee money at signing? Do you think he's going to get thrown a number, hundred and fifty million dollars? And I know it sounds absurd because it's like, well, Josh Allen got a hundred million. Like, why? I for transparency, I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan. I just love watching him play. He's just Michael Vick in real life. Um, but I think when you look at like the Josh Allen contract and you take some of the elite QBs that that have top cap hits in, in the NFL the numbers like line up on this one cuz really Josh Allen like he got 100 million but that option bonus in the second year of the deal that adds another 42 million dollars like Josh Allen was already close in my opinion to basically getting 150 million guaranteed at signing it's 42 is delayed a year but that that actually i think had to do more with Buff- buffalo's lack of salary cap space in 2022 like that you, Flexibility. We all know these contracts are designed that players are going to get paid, most importantly. And then for teams, cap flexibility. And Buffalo would have really been hurting in 2022. It's not good when you're trying to win a Super Bowl in the next, let's say, three years with Josh Allen, where that contract is really not bad at all. But the reason I went with Lamar Jackson $150 million is Allen signing first is bad news for Baltimore because that's what I've been watching here. I was like, Allen and Jackson are going to sign and whoever signs first is going to hurt the other team because anytime a player, a superstar quarterback signs a big contract, the next superstar quarterback's going to get more. We saw that recently, Deshaun Watson, when he got his big contract with with the Texans, he got 39 million uh, average salary. And then six months later, Dak Prescott got 40 million average salary. And you could debate who's who's better as a quarterback, but it's just the matter of the QB market gets reset sometimes multiple times in the same year. And it's going to get reset, like enjoy the Josh Allen contract um, because Lamar Jackson's probably going to be not much bigger, but just enough, just enough um, to, to where he's going to set the, 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 I guess the bar for future superstar quarterbacks. And I went on spoke track. I love that they have a calculated market value where they take guys that have signed contracts of similar skill set to kind of predict, okay, this is what they're looking at. Josh Allen was roughly 43 million average salary. And of course, that means Lamar Jackson is now going to be 44 and a half million, around that one to $2 million more per year for the salary. And if Lamar Jackson gets six years, 44 and a half million, that came out to be, what's it, those 200s? 270 million like 267 to 270 million dollars and and I went back and looked at the other big contract signed I omitted like Patrick Mahomes because that's such a,
2: a, a it's lot an outlier of,
1: right it's it's super team friendly and just crazy but guys like Russell Wilson Dak Prescott Aaron Rodgers Deshaun Watson like the top six on average they got 55% guaranteed at signing. And then with the Josh Allen thing where I was talking about, yeah, they had this option bonus, but really it was kind of a delayed, like guaranteed at signing. Like you're getting it a year later, but it could have easily been a signing bonus. If Buffalo had cap space that the 142 million, I kid you not. I was, I was, I was drinking some, drinking some wine while I was writing and writing my Josh Allen article and 142 million of the 258 came out to be, 55%. I was like, holy crap. We we have a trend on this one. And 55% of the 270 million. I don't have my numbers in front of me. If I had my home set up, I had all the numbers, but it was like 147 million. Like Lamar Jackson, by God, he... He may get $150 million. It's not outrageous. And on that poll, it was like 43% said under. Like, I get it. There's people that hate Lamar Jackson. I think I'd be realistic. Lamar Jackson's going to get paid. And thanks to Josh Allen.
2: <laughs> yeah, Josh Allen doesn't have an MVP either. So yeah. um I think the really interesting thing with Lamar, especially him being a I hesitate to call him a running quarterback because he is a quarterback that can run. You know, it's it's not quite you know running quarterbacks kind of a taboo term where it's like oh like this guy really can't throw. I mean Lamar Jackson led the league in passing touchdowns in 2019. Not that anybody cares, you know, because you know it, it is what it is. But I think when you look at Lamar, I think the very interesting part of his contract is going to be injury guarantees and kind of what he, what Baltimore does along with his agent in order to assure, right? Because the thing is Baltimore's offense has a dynamic element of called runs for Lamar. Most offenses that have rushing elements for their quarterbacks may pull that out a couple times a game, but that's a fundamental part of their rushing offense is Lamar Jackson on called runs. And most most teams wouldn't use their quarterback that way. Right. But that also adds hits that adds wear to his body. And so if I'm Lamar Jackson's agent, I'm not only trying to get as much guaranteed money as I can, I'm trying to get as, much, as many injury guarantees as I can only because you've got to come to the table and say, Hey, not only is my client a unique football player and a unique quarterback, he's a unique asset. You take him out of there and you have to run an entirely different offense. Nobody can do what my guy does. But at the same time, that exposes his body to more risk. And if we're going to take those risks, you're going to save him. You know, you're going to add in those injury guarantees that you otherwise wouldn't want to. And I think ultimately the Harbaugh's and, and, and kind of, you know, the way that they do things in Baltimore, I, I think Eric DeCosta gets that done. Um, I would be very, very shocked if for some reason that they don't come to a deal. Uh, but I don't know if that'll happen this offseason or next. If they do it next offseason, it's gonna cost them more. So I mean, I think EDC and, and that front office will get it done this year. It's just gonna be interesting. I think I think you brought up a really good point about how it's gonna compare to Allen's contract. I think it's gonna go a little bit beyond. Maybe it goes a lot beyond. You know, maybe they they wholeheartedly believe he's in that Mahomes tier um, and is just a unicorn, because obviously we've never seen anything like it. I mean even prime Michael Vick couldn't throw the ball like that I I mean it's a it's kind of a tough call if you're Baltimore to kind of figure out what you want there but I would guess that you're going to see something maybe in the range of you know if you do six years like like they did Josh Allen's deal if you do six years then I think you probably approach 280 million somewhere in there um but obviously it's going to be difficult to tell without knowing exactly how long they're trying to extend them for.
1: Right. And, and man, for, for people that do want to start getting into looking at contracts and kind of figuring things out. I, I don't recommend going into looking at Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or whatever contract Lamar <laughs> Jackson signs. Cause Oh my gosh. Like the, there is, if you go on Spotrack and you look at notes, like after like kind of some of the basic stuff, like here's your salary, here's your signing bonus, the notes are like an entire encyclopedia for Patrick. (laughs) It's absurd.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, it's just,
1: (laughs) but, but it is interesting and that's why people should always be listening to you when you're on the podcast, talk about all these different ways that teams can say manipulate the cap, but like how they can remain cap flexible, because I think people understand basic stuff of, you have a contract, there's guaranteed money, unguaranteed, you get salaries for the most part, unless it's specified. For the most part, salaries are unguaranteed, but really cool to start learning some of these things about like contracts being guaranteed for injury and roster bonuses, option bonuses, and understanding these terms because especially the quarterback and whoever your favorite NFL team, (laughs) go look at your quarterback's contract and and you'll get a better idea of of some of these terms, but so much options for GMs to just move money around (laughs) and to keep teams competitive. I think Josh Allen's uh, one last thing on his was it's, I think it's, it's structured. They're not going to restructure the first couple of seasons. It's, it's almost pointless. There's like no, salary that they could really convert and and the two seasons after seem reasonable um, especially expecting that salary cap to like skyrocket so it's it's interesting that they I don't think they're going to have to immediately take this contract and go and restructure the next season I like that they'll still be able to have cap flexibility to, to add players without already going to okay let's restructure the QB contract and make you know, whatever that final season ends up being just absurd. I mean, the contract's going to get expensive. <laughs> it just is. Oh yeah. But
2: Oh, let's see. They're going to take advantage though. Oh yeah I, yeah. I think, I think the way that they've structured it is, is solid, especially cause you can always convert something to a bonus or, or, you know, you can convert a bonus into salary if you really wanted to do that. Um, It's just there there are a million different tools that you have as a GM to kind of manipulate the cap. And I think that's why people freak out about a lot. Um, Looking at your quarterback's contract can tell you a lot about what the GM at the time of signing that contract not only thought about the player, but also the direction of the team. Uh, Gutekunst adding a void year in 2023 tells you they don't believe he's going to be there. Right? right? If he beats it, I mean, if he plays that out, they're going to owe a lot of money to the cap and they're going to owe a lot of money to him. And that's kind of why I don't see that, that, that relationship lasting much longer. Uh, you know, just going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, you can kind of find subtle clues and hints here and there about, you know, what's going on. Like Aaron Jones's deal is really a two-year deal. Even though I think they signed, what was it, a five, five it's year a, deal or something Like a
1: four-year, like yeah, four four-year extension. But yeah, I'm with you, and I'll let you continue. Yeah, why is it more of a two-year deal for people that look at that? And like I mean, no, he four years.
2: <laughs> I I don't have the I don't have it directly in front of me, but I mean the guaranteed money dries up in year two, right? So I mean, if you want to keep him, you can keep him. There, there's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, let's say Aaron decides to stick around another year. Yeah, run it back, no problem. But after that, I mean, you can cut him without any kind of penalty. Right? right. And, and so in, this in fact, quote unquote five year deal where people are like, oh, I was like, oh, like he signed this long term deal. Not really. I mean, right. sure. In theory, that's what the paper says. But I mean, after year two, it's not worth the paper it's printed on until he shows up to camp and they're willing to pay him. So, I mean, it, it's very, very weird to kind of see how guaranteed money has kind of placed contract money in the sense of most contract money is for most players i mean obviously quarterbacks and other guys are are different situations but if you're not a star like contract money is kind of unlikely yeah get as get as much guaranteed money as you can
1: absolutely because teams it's a it's a business nasty business i mean it's really kind of a crappy business when you think about a team giving a contract and then going "Eh, we're not going to honor that but it's a business nonetheless and yeah like these these contracts that's why you talk about players only care about the guaranteed money. Uh, your average, average, or even your great players. I mean, especially running backs—that position where teams don't typically want to pay for. And let—I've got Aaron Jones pulled up right here. It is, yeah, it's after the 2022 season is when they can move on from them because, oh my gosh, there's so many ads on track. Come on, guys, it's <laughs> his cap hit in particular. It just skyrockets to over $19 million (laughs) and the, the dead cap is six and a half million. I mean, you're clear and you're able to move on from Jones, which that would be his age 29 season for typically for running backs. And by that point, Aaron Jones, I know he catches a lot of passes, but he's been involved heavily with, with green Bay two years time. If he's still heavily involved in green Bay, even if he's just catching passes, he's still getting tackled. And you're a 29-year-old running back. Nobody wants to pay 19 million to a running back. And yeah, no one really wants to pay six and a half million on the cap for a player not there, but you're saving $13 million. And hey, look, like that's about the time AJ Dillon his they may start talking contract extension for him. Like teams recycle running backs all the time. So yeah, that that's this is a perfect example of very simple thing of like, why, yeah, Aaron Jones signed a four-year deal, but it's not really a four-year deal. It's follow that guaranteed right?
2: Yep. The guaranteed money will tell you everything you need to know. Yep.
1: Absolutely. And really, I think on that note, and honestly (laughs) I've seen, so for full transparency of people watching the show, they know if they've been watching weekly, this isn't my setup. (laughs) I'm actually at work. (laughs) I got an emergency phone call, but don't worry. I was able to get a podcast going but I've been noticing that my phone has been blowing up on silent. And so I think I've been playing hooky from work enough time. So, man, I wanted to get into Nick Chubb, but honestly covering the QBs. I, I think that that's perfect. I think we hit the spot right there for, for us to end the podcast. If you're all right with that.
2: Oh yeah.
1: Perfect. Well, for the dynasty wonderland. We appreciate you coming on the podcast here. We've got to at some point maybe if if uh, you look back at at the recording because Ryan's going to put these two parts together. If you like the the product and the offer is always there to come back and join us, we can have that proper buy or sell game because that was going to be talking about the G. Oh yeah. So you know who knows maybe we can get you back on a future podcast because man, like i tell you, it's story time for not just not just for me, not just for Ryan. And I feel bad for Ryan. Ryan didn't get the chance to, to have the guests. And I was like, well, who knows? Maybe I can bribe a non to come back and, and join us. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Probably during football season, honestly, it's going to be a little bit easier um, really? as kind of, you know, you know, everybody does their weekly stuff and kind of the GM coaching stuff and, and, you know, more of the salary cap stuff kind of fades out other than, you know, obviously players getting injured and cut and traded and stuff like that. Cause I mean, our big season really is, uh, weirdly enough, our big season is, uh, is in the spring. So, um, coming kind of as trading camp ends and, you know, there aren't as many transactions flying around. It gets a little bit easier to free up some time. Granted, that was the old job. We'll see what the new job is, but, um, (laughs) Yeah, man. Great talking to you. Yeah.
1: And while I'm still recording here, it's going to be fun for Ryan to edit this. (laughs) He gets I I get to do the interview and have fun. He gets to do the work. (laughs) But, you know, uh, we'll we'll see how he edits this, but we'll give a proper um, proper way of going off the air here. Anand, thank you so much for joining us. And for people that aren't, uh, if you're somehow following me and you're not following Anand, I, I know I call myself the salary captain, but I'm kind of going through an identity crisis. I'm not really the captain. I mean, like, we got the salary guru here. Like when, especially when Anon came into Roto Underworld, I'm like, man, I I I, I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> but check him out on Twitter at anon. Sorry, at Nanduri NFL. That's N A N. NFL. Remember to check them out on the De- Decision Point podcast on Roto Underworld Radio. Every episode's just pure gold. There's two episodes right now. I'm waiting for that third one. i, I sad last week, but I know whenever the next one is, I'm going to be excited. I'm going to have my morning coffee. It's going to be great. So check them out on Twitter. And on that note, do you have any final words for, for the audience?
2: Um, nothing for anybody else, man. Aaron, you, you'll always be our our salary captain of Roto Underworld, man. I'm not going to take your title. You're all good there. Uh, but appear. yeah, if, if anybody's listening, <laughs> if anybody's listening that hasn't checked out uh, the decision point or any of Josh Larkey's work, because actually he's he's the one that kind of got me into, into Roto Underworld. The analytics stuff that he does is just incredible. Um, I mean, I... I thought I worked hard in in the analytics side of things, Um, just kind of learning my little bit. But, I mean, mean, no harder worker than him. Matt, obviously the host, the pod father, uh, I mean, does incredible work in his own right and – And, you know, kind of brought us all together. So, I mean, uh, just get ready, man. New football season's rapidly approaching. I know it's the preseason. I know everybody's excited about watching third stringers and backups, which don't get me wrong, is a whole lot of fun. But, man, it's a lot more fun when you got uh, Patrick Mahomes out there and Tom Brady out there. So um, we're eagerly, eagerly awaiting early September when, when we get to get everybody back out there and, you know, run the gauntlet again.